All right, we're live. So here I am with my friend, John. Hopefully everybody can hear me out there, y'all. Um, I'm really excited about this. And first off, let me apologize. The other night, I was supposed to go live with Joel Thomas from Van Tesla. Let me get this oh, thing awesome. right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have him on tomorrow night. Um, Joel was very gracious. But hey, man, I'm, I'm really excited about tonight because my man, John's going to be on here and Everybody and their great-grandmother has been hitting me up about a lot of business ideas. And a lot of, I'll be honest with you folks, ever since meeting John, everything in my family's life has gone through the roof. And I mean it from the way we conduct business, the amount of business we have, my health, my relationship with my family. And honestly, I feel a lot of less, I feel much less alone in this world knowing that I'm not the only high performer out there. I was feeling like for the most part that I was isolated. And I know a lot of you people feel that way too. And you're also being told if you're from the permaculture world that a lot, that it's a bad thing to make a living, that it's a bad thing to make money. And there's a lot of people also in the homesteading world. Well, John didn't even know. I don't even think we discussed what we're going to talk about, but this is one of those things that I know he can shoot from the hip and do that and, you know, just drop Probably an answer to anything you got out there. But first off, I want to tell y'all, well, first of all, I want to thank you for checking us out. But do me a favor, hit the thumbs up right off the bat. Tell everybody you know that has any interest at all in starting a business, whether it's homestead, whether it's otherwise, you're on here with a consummate expert, honestly. And we'll get into it a little bit now about how he changed just about every way we do things here. As a little side note, first time me and William ever met John, we were driving back. And I swear the whole six hour trip, we talked about nothing but what we learned from him and his wife, Amanda. Little things that you may think are insignificant, but they were enormous. And um, honestly, we do better now than we ever have. And I've run a number of businesses in the past. So maybe John will get into those. But right off, y'all, I want to tell you, thank you. Ladies Farm, uh, let's see, because I'd so swamp picker. Grumpy, yeah, my man Grumpy's in the house. I want to give a special shout out, shout out to my man Bowen over there at Thunderstick Homestead. He, y'all, you got to check him out. You got to subscribe. He did a video. Um, my man did a video about the bone sauce and what it did for him on his farm. And had I know he was known he was going to do this, I would have sent it to him for free because honestly, his testimonial is extraordinary. Um. Russ Mountain Homestead, Double A, Farmer Corey, Mary Lee, D, Starla. There's a whole lot of y'all in here. Like I said, hit that thumbs up. Mama Bear, what's up? Hi, Uncle Billy. <laughs> She's laughing about that video I just did, which, by the way, was inspired by John's um, Panic Prepper video. Well, maybe we'll talk about some of that. But, hey, John, thanks so much, man. I know you're a busy man and you work seven days a week, bro. I, I appreciate you coming on. We just uh, we just flew back into town here about 30 minutes ago. Amanda cut my hair. I just jumped out of the shower. We pulled the lights out of the other studio, and here we are. So we can roll here for however long. Um, when we're done, I'll go out, and we're just working on the property. We're trying to get about four hours a day on the property right now, just getting ready for Self-Reliance Festival, just kind of moving stuff so we have more room for parking and compressing things. Um, we reclaimed a bunch of the stuff that had been overgrown with grass. We had a couple dudes go through. We pulled it all by hand 
And now we're about to put weed matting down to expand that area so that we can kind of control all of that a little bit better uh, with less physical input. The berms, berms are working 100%. Uh, top one has water. We've got tadpoles in it and frogs and stuff. Um, I threw some water hyacinth in that uh, key line, that ridgeline pond. It's uh, starting to, uh, you know, grow a little bit. Um, all of the growth on the berms are huge, just enormous. So we'll chop those down and we're just ready to put trees and everything else in. Um, what are we at? Two weeks now? About two weeks from now, I guess. Yeah, two weeks from now, folks. You don't want to miss it. Um... You don't necessarily look here's the beauty about showing up to that class and also self-reliance festival. First of all, the class, you're going to be getting a two for one. You're going to learn how we put in those swales. William, John, I, and John's son, Cody, put them all in pretty much. And we had a lot of help in the last class we did, but you're going to get a two for one because you're going to see up close and personal. Everybody always asks, what does a swale look like? Well, at John's place, it's actually also a demonstration site. You're going to see some massive swales that we put in, and you're also going to see some uh, micro swales. And on top of that, now we're getting where the rubber hits the road, y'all. We're going to be showing you how, even though we have all these swales in and everything, and we had a cover crop down of buckwheat and cowpea, now we're going to show you what we do at this point. We're going to put in some trees. We're going to put in a lot of the support species. We're going to be putting in the guild. This is the class you do not want to miss, but this is the day before the Self-Reliance Festival. So, John, why don't you give them a rundown? Look, y'all, we're not here necessarily to sell the Self-Reliance Festival. There's already going to be a ton of people there anyway. But, John, I think there's some people that might be on the fence. You want to tell them what this is all about? So, Self-Reliance Festival is you're going to have, man, I don't even know who's coming to the Self-Reliance Festival at this point. Um you guys are coming out. Jack Spearco's coming out. Doc Barry will be here. Uh, we're going to have tons of people. There's going to be, you know, hydroponics, aquaponics, blacksmithing, medical demonstrations, hands-on suturing. Um, you name it. It's it's going to be here at this point. Um, the Friday thing, though, is super cool. Even if you have no interest in swales at all, it gives you access to come in and talk to all of those people who will be presenting the dogs will be here. Joel Riles will have five different dogs in here um, and we're setting everything up. But we all hang out Friday night. That's kind of like the calm before the storm. The last time it was 30, 40, 50 of us sitting here in the garage just talking conspiracy theories and Bigfoot yeah. and, you know, ancient civilizations and how corrupt the government is. And just conspiracy fact, really, at this point, I think it's mostly proven. Um, but you have access to all those dudes. Even if you had no interest in the swales, the vendors will all be here. The presenters will all be here. So if you're like, man, I don't like that John Willis guy, that's okay. We got 10 acres. You could possibly come here and never even have a conversation with me, but you would have access to everybody else that's here. And that, that just makes it so worth it to talk to guys that, because we can have conversations that you can't have online. Literally on YouTube, when you say things and you notice that the, the feeds drop, Tim Pool had some guys on the other night, and they proved that. When they started saying certain things, the feed would completely drop off. And he's like, look, we got a gigahertz. We got a gig of upload uh, data transmission. We run our own internet, and we monitor everything from right here in this room. And our internet is through the roof. But every time we would start talking about – he had Dr. Drew on. And they would start talking about the thing 
and uh, the last three years with the Kufas, and it would completely drop the feed. He's like, you could watch it literally go to 10% every time they would say it. So there's just things we, you know, we can have more of a conversation face to face. Yeah, that's a fact. And the cool thing is all, all these people that you may see on the internet or whether it's YouTube, whether it's whatever the case may be, you're going to have unbelievable access. I remember Jack Spierko walking out of the port of John and some dudes over there shaking his hand as he's coming out. Couldn't even get in there. Um, oh, my man, Bobby Spags is on here also. So check out Spags Unfiltered, y'all. I heard, I heard Bobby's event. I heard Bobby's event actually ends the day before ours. And I have, we have, we have enough flight line that we can put a G4 down here. So you could get on a jet and just land here and we could come pick you up, Bobby. There you go, man. Hey, don't put it past them, man. They might get on a red eye down here. The whole detachment, grumpy, all the rest of them, man. Um, Hacks for the homestead. All those guys will be here now. But that's the cool thing, y'all. If you haven't checked it out yet, check out freesteading.com because what we're hoping to do over there is that we don't have the same kind of overlap that we're having now where we got three different events all happening the same weekend. So where if we, there's, a, there's, a, there's a page over there, like a, um, a schedule, like a calendar, where you can tell which, uh, which event is going when. So make sure you check that out too. But also check out John. Look, y'all, he's the most suppressed – I mean, ordinarily at this time, there would be two, 300 people online. We're talking, y'all, to the, one of the most suppressed people on YouTube. Probably, I mean, every way electronically you could think of, they're suppressed. But honestly, he's a friend of mine. And, folks, you're going to be glad you tuned in tonight because a number of people are out there hitting me saying, man, look, things are really looking weird. It's looking strange. Um, I really got to be looking for an off-ramp. I got to get my business off and running. Well, John, why don't you give them, why don't we jump straight in uh, both feet, man, and tell them how you started. And Michelle has a question that she's going to beat me over the head if I don't ask it at some point. She made that abundantly clear to me. But why don't you tell everybody where you started? Because I think when people hear your background and your story, it's kind of, it's going to offer very little excuse that anybody could ever offer for why they aren't off, you know, doing their own thing. Well, I mean, the biggest thing is just do it. Like, Stop analyzing it. Stop working on spreadsheets. Stop all the reasons you can't do it and just do it. Find, take whatever it is you're going to do and just go do it. I mean, it doesn't even matter really. Like when I came into this, there was no one dude doing nylon tactical gear, right? It was huge, huge companies. Maybe there were guys doing little stuff, but there was no internet. So nobody knew they were there. So you had to show up at gun shows. You had to show up at trade shows. And, you know, for a dude starting out, a trade show back then was 2,500 to five grand just to show up, to walk in the door, right? So we showed up to Soldier of Fortune. We all drove out in a little S10 pickup truck, three dudes in the back of the truck, so sunburnt by the time we got from San Diego to Las Vegas, parked two blocks away and snuck in the side door. Like we didn't, we couldn't afford it. We snuck in the side door. Our gear had been out in the surf zone the night before with basic reconnaissance course guys. We had salt water and sand dripping all over the floor. People are slipping and sliding and stuff. We had come in and stole a table, come to find out that was Ernie Emerson's table. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm not concerned with the table. I sold all my stuff last night before the show ever opened. But this is kind of a mess. I can probably get you a bigger booth. It's just everybody's so worried about being limited by things. Like we couldn't 
There was nowhere to go buy the materials we needed, right? We were cutting buckles off of carts at Walmart and stealing webbing and stuff off of trucks on the National Guard Armory just to be able to build the stuff that we were putting together. So, I mean, we were doing it like anybody that wants to start something today, you have an advantage of like the Internet literally didn't exist. We didn't have credit card processing for the first three years I was in business because it didn't exist without running a credit check and putting money up into the account and everything. We didn't have any of that stuff. I didn't have anywhere where you could just go, hey, I need a roll of this thing. When we were buying, when we wanted material in a different color, we had to buy one inch, inch and a half and two inch and three inch in 5,000 yard lots. So we had to buy 20,000 yards of webbing to even get it in a color that we wanted it in. And that didn't even include the Velcro or the thread. So, I mean, we did we did everything the hard way. So I don't understand when people are like, I can't. I think more what it is, is they want to be like, guys are all the time like, I want to get out of California, but I can't. Then why tell me about it? Because I'm going to give you a hundred ways to get out. And you're only, I'm only going to get to two or three where you're like, well, I can't do that or this or that. Well, then you don't want to. That's what it, you don't want to. And that's okay. Stop putting your, stop saying you want to do some shit if you're not going to do it and move the fuck out of the way for the people that are actually going to do something. Well, people see, I think, your success now and they probably assume that either you had a silver spoon in your mouth. They don't understand the heartache and the struggle that you did all the way up. I mean, when they go to the SOE compound, they're going to see this place and they're going to be like, good night. Um, well, clearly this guy's got a silver spoon in his mouth and I know different. I know you didn't, you didn't come up that way. And these are things that you had to work. I mean, you are the hardest worker I know. Um, I thought I worked hard. You know, I'm sitting here putting in 12, 16 hour days every day, except for one, but you do it seven days a week. You're up at O dark 30. You're showing accountability. And you also taught me that where, um, why don't you talk about that level of discipline that you have? Because everybody's thinking that, oh, I made a post here or I did that. I should have people beating down the door. I mean, what talk about persistence and what it took for you to get to the point where you are now. Well, I, I say things people aren't willing to say, so it dries dries eyeballs, right? So that's it's kind of like if you wanna if you want people to be interested in what you do, you have to do interesting things. And I believe that no matter what it is you do, there is an audience that is interested in it. All you need is one thousand. And if you do something consistently, the people will show up that are aligned with you and they will want to do commerce with you, right? So entertain, educate, equip. I'm going to say something to capture you. It's going to, it's going to draw you in, whether it's the train wreck or whether it's something valuable to you, right? I'm going to entertain you. Then I'm going to educate you. I'm going to give you some piece of information that you can take away that will make you better. And then a call to action, whether that's join my email list, buy this thing, subscribe to my other social media channels so I have multiple platforms so that when I'm banned somewhere else, get on my email list. We just show you through the day, right? Most of my videos, we're putting th three to five videos a day on YouTube. We have a private group where we do, we did three hours of content yesterday for our private group. That's when they ask questions, we answer them. Those videos are only private, so they don't get censored, they don't get throttled back. We're not worried about them going out to the world for propagation. It's only the people in our private group. So then I'm on, I'm on Instagram and TikTok, Facebook, MeWe, Locals, Float, Gitter. I'm everywhere. True Social, I'm on all of them. Um, but really, my stuff sells out 
the first five minutes we put it up off of our tech staff. We have 70,000 on our email list and we cut that twice a year. We kill half of that list because we can see there's a there's an algorithm to email people aren't aware of. And there's also analytics to email. So we see who opens and who doesn't open our email to get on my email list. You have to click and enter all your information and click three more times. Right. We don't ever merge it. We don't sell it. We don't buy it. These are organic 70,000 people. We kill that list twice a year down to half. I've only got 3,000 on my email, on my text app, and we sell everything on text before the email even ever launches. We put a text out Monday through Friday showing, well, Monday through Sunday, showing what we built each day. That stuff almost always sells out right there. What's left or what's available those, those last part of the week, we put it on um, text, and then about 15, 10, 15 minutes later, we put it out on email. But most of it's sold out, almost always. Like That's just kind of where we're, we're getting to the point right now where you will have to pay to join a membership to even have access to the website. It's not even going to be a front-facing website anymore. To be one of my customers, you're going to have to be you're going to have to be referred by an existing customer. I don't I just don't need it. It 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 makes things so much simpler for us. Yeah, but you clearly you make some fantastic stuff and I'm going to give you a shout out right now for what I'm about what I'm holding up right now. Um folks, I've been using these for years. It's basically you can put two magazines in there, but what I use it for um, you know, let's say I have multiple, like I'm walking around here looking like Batman. I basically got a utility belt. I've been buying these things off the shelf for years from places like Cabela's, places like uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, places like uh, Gander Mountain. And I have never had one that did not quit in three months at most. I mean, the bottom of it is usually tearing out. I've had this one. Let's see here. I've had this one for three months and it, look at it. I just literally took it off my belt as we were talking. The thing is brand new, not worn out even slightly. So you, you, you make fantastic stuff because I know I've been doing this. Look, in one of them, I have, I have a Leatherman in one side and then the other one, I have a knife. Now, I don't know what these other clowns are doing out there, but here it is. This thing looks like it just came out of the case. It's brand new. I got two of them from you last time I was there. So it's not you. I mean, I guess the lesson that a lot of other people can take away here is that you're not just putting stuff together because clearly that's what the other people do. Because half the time the thing's wearing a hole in the bottom, it's falling out. Um, I've been, like I said, I've been doing this for years. So it's not just you um, making your stuff and letting people know you have it. You clearly have a quality that is enviable. And so maybe that's something else that other people can take away too, because I've taken your ethic when it comes to what you put out. And I've also applied it to my own business, which is why business is better now than it ever has since, you know, I met you. So that same ethic where, you know, how you select the things you're going to sell and how you go through that has been a tremendous blessing to me, but you honestly put out the best there is. I mean, can you speak to that? So, a lot of it's offshore manufacturing, right? How do we save money? We would save money by offshore manufacturing using slave labor. How else would they save money? They would save money by using offshore materials. We use U.S. made goods that's made to the highest quality. It's the same material we've used literally for the last 35 years. My Velcro manufacturer, U.S. manufactured Velcro, made here in the United States for the last 35 years. So your material's wearing out. 
because it's not the same material we use. That's the difference in it. That's really the difference. It's not that their stitching's falling out. We probably have twice, if not three times, the stitching that they use offshore. It's that they're using lesser raw goods. And then, you know, we just know what works. It's literally that dual mag pouch. That's a dual pistol mag. You can put a knife in them. You can put multi-tool. You can put a surefire light in one side. You can put two pistol mags. You can put a lot of stuff in them. This is sharp, right? The material doesn't wear out because of the material we use. And then the Velcro doesn't fail because of the Velcro we use. It's the same stuff. That design right there is probably the fifth or sixth thing I ever made. We've been making that exactly the same way for 35 years now. No, it's fantastic stuff, man. And I've been using these things for I don't even know how long. And yours is the only one that held up. So you make good, so you make good quality stuff. But it was one of the lessons I, I came away from the first time I met you. And folks, if you and this is why I wanted y'all look. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up. Tell everybody we're live, because honestly, you should walk away with some fantastic stuff. But John, it's not just what I took away from you the first time I met you was not just um, the conduct and how you handle your business, but also the conduct and how you handle yourself. You're in a very strict regimen, and you talk about accountability. Now, let me just kind of go sideways for a moment there. Last time I was on with you and Nicole, you said, hey, dude, you show up after what you said. If you show up here looking like a little tubby tubby, I'm going to call you out in front of everybody. And there were people that were actually, they sent me nasty emails saying, how dare you? And I'm like, folks, you don't understand. That's the way we roll. The mark of a real friend, like Pastor Lon one time, I stepped out of order and did something I shouldn't have. The mark of a real friend is to call you out. It's not a person to giving you lip service saying, hey, man, oh, yeah, just the mealy mouth stuff. Besides, I don't respond well to that. When you said that, that put a fire under me. And guess what? Michelle's like, huh, straighten your diet up, didn't you? Yeah, I want to talk to John. <laughs> She's like, you straightened up your diet. You started working out. You started doing. You called me out and made me accountable. And, and honestly, I can't thank you enough for that. But you also, you're not just saying this to me. These are things you apply to your own life. You want to tell people about your regimen and what you go through and how you make yourself accountable? So, I mean, everybody wants, especially the homesteaders in the prepper space for some reason, right? They want to buy things and collect things, but they don't want to work, you know, on this, right? This is free. I'm, I have a gym here because it was important enough for me over the last five years to build a gym here. I'm standing in a complete gym. Um, I have a whole cardio suite upstairs. I got five pieces of commercial cardio equipment, but it, none of that matters if you're putting shit in your mouth, right? I have a freezer full of ice cream. I love waffles. I like donuts. I like to drink a margarita every night, but the fastest change for me is to not drink alcohol, right? If I don't drink alcohol for two weeks, I'll drop 3% body fat. I'm probably sitting at about 15% body fat right now. But that's a huge, huge difference. I've been saying on my videos, I said, I'll be the most fittest person at this event. I mean, there's always going to be some, there's going to be a, a bodybuilder or a CrossFit dude shows up. There'll be somebody more fit than me. But of the people I know, I'll be the most fit dude. And the only thing I'm going to do different is I'm going to cardio an extra 30 minutes every day. I'm going to eat a little bit better and I'm not going to have any alcohol for the next three weeks. And I haven't. I had a couple pieces of pizza today. Other than that, you know, I didn't, I didn't eat any trash today. It's, but that's all free shit, right? And people have this concept that 
well, I've been doing farm work or I've been doing this or that. So, so I can go inside. No, you can't. Like if you're fat now and you think you're going to be less, and I don't even, I don't care what, I know some big fat dudes that can outwork me. Whoever's listening, they know what they are, right? Go try to, if, if you're the prepper dude or, or one of these dudes, it's like, I need a bug out bag. Motherfucker, you don't need a bug out bag. You need to fucking exercise because you can't walk. You literally couldn't walk two miles, much less with 30 or 50 pounds on your back. Don't even add radios, belted ammunition and water. You know, you're, you're looking at a 100, 120 pound load for an infantryman. And he's moving, you know, 10 miles. So everybody has this grandiose idea that everything's all good in the hood and I don't need to protect my shit because I'm a farmer and nobody's coming to take my stuff. You're in for a rude awakening of fuck a really, really rude awakening. There's not going to be some people that just show up and protect you. You have to protect. What if your house catches on fire? What if a tornado takes your shit out? What if you actually do have to move, right? Fill a wheelbarrow up with, with wet mulch or gravel and go try it. Just walk with it. See how that goes for you. Grab two 25-pound dumbbells and just set out and go walk, right? Just walk for, walk for 10 minutes in one direction, 10 minutes the other. Most people can't do that because they just don't do it. I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to do on some days because I don't, I don't practice that, right? But that's all free stuff. Everybody wants to go, I can't afford a gym membership or I don't have two hours to do this. You don't have to do it. Stop putting shit in your mouth. And then the more shit goes in your mouth, the more of this you have to do. So you got to find your happy medium. And I don't care what you do. Like, I really don't care what you do in anybody's life until they ask me. I don't care. But you won't, you won't see a dude on my, in my squad. You won't see a dude that I'm rolling around out in town with that's a big tubby dude. Because if he can't take care of himself, he's also not going to be an attribute to me in any way. Right, but you you have pretty high standards. I mean, and you impose this upon yourself. I mean, you're up at oh dark thirty. You're out there. Well, I mean, I love how you you. I've kind of adopted part of your regimen um, around my life. How you get before you even see another human being. The most important things that you get done in the day are done before you ever see them. You want to walk people through that and how you go about doing so that. If you, so everybody's stuck on the four thirty thing. Jocko gets up at 4.30. I try to get up at 4.30. So if I get up at 4.30, I'm not going to see another human being until 7, right? That gives me, I can make a video in the morning. That's accountability. So no matter who wakes up, they're probably not waking up before me. And if they're up, they haven't been to bed yet, right? There's not a dude getting up earlier than I am. Most of them haven't been to bed from the shift before. So 4.30, I'm going to make the video. I'm going to cardio for 30 minutes. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to work out for 45 minutes, and then I'm going to eat my first breakfast. Then I'm going to answer emails. The stuff I have to do in the day, most of it's done before another human being is here, right? Everybody's talking about how they don't have time. Go to bed earlier. And when I go to bed, I go to bed at 12, 12, 31 o'clock. When I get up at 4.30 in the morning, I went to bed no earlier than 11, 30, 12 o'clock. So I'm at four hours, right? I can run like that for a couple of weeks, and then I'll sleep in on a weekend typically. So it's doable. It's about mental toughness. It's just like taking a cold shower. The shower doesn't get cold enough to have the health attributes of taking a cold shower, 
taking the cold shower, it's all about mental toughness. That's all it's about. No, John, I, I think that's so it all surrounds. I mean, it's not just what you're building in yourself. It's also your business. Let's swing back to that right quick, because so many people are asking about that sort of thing. At least that's one of the most um, one of the biggest emails I get. Um, they're wondering. And I know I already know what your answer is going to be, but I got to ask it anyway. They're wondering, OK, I'm starting a business selling iPhone cases, whatever the case okay. may be. And they're going to ask, okay, what's the first step I should do? Where should I start? How would John Willis go about it? Because when they go visit your place or when they show up at this, um, at the self-reliance festival, which by the way, folks, if you're new getting in here, hit the like button and go to self-reliance festival. We're going to have a festival on the first and second of October. The day before that, we're going to be doing a class. Michelle is actually going to be there with me. And by the way, the only reason she's going is because she wants to meet Amanda. Ain't got nothing to do with helping out her husband teach a class. But, yeah, she wants to go uh, meet Amanda. So, anyway, we're going to be there for that class. It's going to be about a guild. We're also going to – it's basically a two-for-one. You're going to learn about swales. You're going to learn about guilds. And then also it always seems to turn into a de facto consultation. So swinging back to John and that question. And, folks, if you have any questions for John, go ahead and put it in the chat. This is the time to do it. So let's say John Willis is starting out right now. And let's just say they took everything you had. And you had to start over with the clothes on your back. I did. How would you go about doing it? I did. I came home no, from I federal prison, Lompoc Federal Prison, after 22 months. Came home to the halfway house. I am still in custody of, of Federal Bureau of Prisons for another four months maybe, right? So – I'm in the halfway house. I was at the halfway house for 30 minutes. I got served with divorce papers and a restraining order. I could not go back to my place of business, right? So in order to get out of the halfway house, I'm allowed to leave the halfway house to work or look for a job. The next day, I got a job as a pizza delivery driver because I had a cell phone and that let me drive and make me, let me have communication. When I went to prison, there was no texting. When I came out of prison, all of a sudden we could text so I could communicate with people in another manner now. So I didn't have, when you go to federal prison, all your documentation, all your stuff gets sent home to your family, to my ex-wife, right? So my driver's license, my social security card, my bank cards, all of that stuff. I had none of that stuff. I went to a pizza, I went to a round table pizza and convinced the owner to give me a job, not even being able to show him or tell him who I was. I said, I will come in and work from you. And you will give me one week and next week I will have all my documentation and start driving until then I will come inside. I will cook. I will clean. I will make pizzas. And if I can't provide you information as to who I am, you don't have to pay me. I said, I'm going to work for you for six months. And when I leave in six months, I'm going to be the dude for the next two years that you're still calling going, Hey, you sure you sure you won't come back to work? You sure you won't come back to work? I got three different pizza places to give me a job. By the end of the week, I was working 80 hours a week delivering pizza. Uh, when I left, I had $120,000 accounts receivable coming in every month, just reoccurring. I had money in the bank, brand new cars, brand new everything. When I got home, I literally had the clothes on me, right? I had my, my big toe was sticking through my shoes and the sweatpants that I owned were patched because that's what I had bought out of commissary. The first, and as soon as I got out, 
I started calling my my suppliers and I said, hey, I'm home. You know what my deal is. You know, we've done millions of business in the past. I don't have any money right now. I need you to believe in me and I need you to just send me some samples, send me some webbing. I don't care what color they are. Send me some materials, some in cuts, whatever. A few guys, a few companies sent me some material, sent me some thread. I rented a sewing machine, started building stuff. While I was working for that six months, 80 hours a week delivering pizzas, I started building stuff out of my mom's garage. And after about two months, I was able to go from the halfway house to my mom's house, right? So I was able to go there some during the day, but I was able to reside there. I did $960,000 in business in my own business the first year I was home on probation, and I had three years of probation. On the 30, on the, the end of my probation, I moved to Tennessee here. I did a million dollars almost the first year while on federal probation, starting with nothing. Nothing at all. Working 80 hours doing pizza work. Plus working 80 hours doing pizza. So it's kind of hard to hear anybody. And, man, I'm really done with, um, like, you know, I, I talked about in the beginning of the shout-out I gave to Thunderstick Homestead. If anybody goes to his website and checks it out and you see and you see what this man has accomplished, it'll floor you. Not only um, that, everything we've done here is in the last six years maybe. This was a gravel pit. None of this was here. When we bought this building, there wasn't a piece of, there was no copper in here. There was no electrical. There was no piping, nothing. This place was a shell. It was vandalized with rain falling through the roof. That's why, I, John, I'll be honest with you, man. It's, it's kind of hard for me and for a number of other reasons that I never went into. Um, it's kind of hard for me to feel sorry for any, any able-bodied person out there that's, you live in the United States of amnesia, Okay. You had, just like you just demonstrated a second ago, John, you had the ability to literally say, I am this thing one day and decide at the same moment that I could be something else the very next day. Actually, that very next moment. So it's kind of hard for me to have any sympathy for the people out there that say, oh, well, I can't do this. Well, I can't do that. Look, just leverage something that you already find interesting. I mean, Maybe you got a different opinion on that, John, but I'm thinking maybe start with something you already find maybe as a hobby, something you find interesting, something that you might want to learn about, and then leverage that into a business. But like you said, it's a whole lot different. When I got in the insulation business years ago, when I, I was kind of had the same drive as you, where I was in the electrical apprenticeship at the same time, working all over the state, and at the same time, started an insulation business where we were blowing cellulose insulation me and my best friend at the time and you know william was a baby at the time and michelle was doing her thing so here i am somehow able to go to college waste of time waste of money go to apprenticeship good investment of time and money to a certain extent and then even have my own business at the time which like you said there was no benefit of uh technology that we have right now which basically allows you to leverage everything I was literally knocking on doors in old folks' neighborhoods because I kind of figured they lived in old places that had lousy insulation. Knocking on their doors, giving them practically homemade flyers, and that's how I was doing business. And we were making a real good run of it, too. So if, it, if I was able to do that then, knocking doors, cold call, going straight up to people I don't even know, selling myself, it's kind of, 
I mean, where from where you started to where it is now, would you say it's easier or harder to get a business off the ground these days? It has to be easier. We didn't we didn't have internet. We didn't I mean, we didn't even we took cash. You had to come to me or mail me a check. I had to deposit it. We had to wire transfer from Japan to my account and then wait for the wire transfer to post and, and you know, make funds available and stuff. Nowadays, everything's seamless, right? PayPal block you. OK, we'll use Cash App. We'll use Venmo. We don't even have to use banks anymore. Like you don't even, you don't even have to use a bank anymore. Sure. Right. So how can it not be? I literally do business 24 hours a day. When I'm sitting in bed and I see some company that's got some idea I like for a shirt, I literally screenshot it and I'm like, hey, let's put some put our logo here, kind of use this concept, change this and put our URL on it. I do that at midnight. I do that on Christmas. I literally because I, I'm so all over the place. There's so much that I drop and I miss because I only have 30 seconds to put it in motion. When I see something or when I'm out on the four wheeler on the farm and I have some idea, I voice it to text and then I send it to Amanda. I send it to my art guy. I send it to my t-shirt guy. I send it to my patch guy, right? For concept, because one of them's going to go, what were you talking about? And then it's going to remind me to ask them because I've already forgotten it. I've already, I'm, I'm, we're in so many different directions, man. So this allows me like on Christmas Eve, I'm like, Hey Lance, I want, you know, 240 bars of this soap that we did last year. Hey Jason, I want shirts for this uh, artwork for this that all happened Christmas Eve you could never do that shit before you would leave a message wait for somebody to call you back everything is seamless now I can do business around the world 24 hours a day there are no more gatekeepers they don't exist you can literally talk to guys who are huge with millions and millions of followers on social media you can talk to them without their secretary blocking you you know John there's um there's this phenomenon out there. It's, I don't know where it came from. Let me first back up and tell everybody, look, folks, John is a budding permaculture designer himself. In fact, his place before we, me and William ever showed up there was actually more impressive than just about any other permaculture farm I'd ever seen before. And he probably, he won't, he'll never tell you that, but honestly, he's got some extraordinary things going on. So with that said, I also wanted to point out, we are going, if you want to go out there, y'all, look, the 1st and 2nd of October, I know there's a whole lot of rumors about what may or may not go down. If you're governing your life about those things over what could or could not happen, well, you're going to miss out on something that's really fantastic. And his compound, which is essentially becoming a permaculture demonstration site, People have been asking for years, where do I go to go look at a swale? Well, if it ain't at my place in Texas, John's is the only one you're going to go to where you're going to see some formidable swales. In fact, some pretty impressive ones that William designed that go into a ridgeline pond. And then you're going to see how all this stuff with John's sheep and his chickens and everything else, how nothing works in isolation, how everything will work like the fingers of your hand. So I wanted to digress for a moment and cover that. But John, I also want to hit into this phenomenon. And man, I I never asked you about this before. I'm, I know we've had a lot of conversations and stuff, but man, there's like this phenomenon going on in the permaculture world, also in the homesteading world, that it's a bad thing to make money. I, I don't, <laughs> I so I don't believe that, right? I think that I don't I don't buy into that bullshit. That's people who are lazy. 
And rather than going, hey, I'm fucking lazy and I don't want to put forth the effort to make the money, that's like the fear of failure thing. I don't think there's such thing as fear of failure. I think that's like the modern day, uh, rather than do some shit people want to watch, I cry and be vulnerable because I get a lot of fucking people that, you know, oh, poor dude, you know, I thank, thanks for, you know, speaking up for the rest of us who are fucking weak. That's what I see of that, right? We have 24, that's the one thing that every person in this chat right here has. We all have 24 hours. We all have the exact same amount of time. It's just what you choose to do with that time. That's literally, that's all it is. It's what you choose to do with that time. And most people, I have to work eight hours a day and I have to sleep eight hours. Well, what do you do with the other eight? What do you do with the other eight? Because do you own a video game? Do you own a television? Do you watch, can you tell me anything about a TV series? I don't, I don't got no time for somebody that can tell me about a TV series or a video game or any other bullshit. We all have the exact same amount of time. It's what you do with it. And I saw somebody asking, was it the same business? Um, so I'm not sure. Elaborate on that, and I'll be happy to answer your question. Um, there's also a dude in here talking shit um, that needs to be banned who is um, Jack Turner. Jack Turner needs to go. He's, and, and as far as my edgy emo shirts, um, I do 120 shirts every Monday and we sell out of them by Monday or Tuesday. So go do something in your life that people want to be a part of, but you're not welcome here anymore. Bam, you're gone. And then as far as was it the same business, um, kind of. My ex-wife had a, a dude, uh, she put the company in his name, he put it in a trust. So when I got home, I could not use my company name. We had to change the name. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on with that. Plus, you got to remember, I was on CNN three nights in a row with 15 different federal agencies raiding my shop, right? So I'm the bad guy. I'm the felon who went to prison, coming home, starting all over. Yet still, with all those people talking shit, felon this and felon that, I still did a million dollars in sales. So I'm not sure about your question. Elaborate. and We can talk further on it. No, man, you're, man, you're, you're hitting it out of the park, man. It, it's like, okay, I've done a, I've done a lot of work for uh, veterans organizations that go after these uh, child sex trafficking and all this yep. other stuff. Well, I can't give them money unless I make money. You know, I was already retired before I started doing a lot of other businesses. If I wanted, I could have rode off into the sunset. I retired early. Um, but this is the most fulfilling time of my life and I'm working harder than I ever have because I can't put money into those things that really mean something to me, whether it's feeding the old folks. You know, I won't go into all the, the stuff we do, but there's a fair amount of philanthropy that we don't even talk about. But I can't do that unless I'm doing it. Like Jack Spierko said, you ain't you ain't helping nobody until you do it from a point of abundance. So this this idiotic nonsense out there and I see it mostly from the people on the left telling me, oh, it's a bad thing to make money. You shouldn't do that. Well, I'm selling, I'm not ripping anybody off. I'm selling you quality stuff. And the money that I don't need to run this place, guess what? There's a whole lot of people being fed. And these people that are critical of it, well, how many pigs have you donated to people? How many times, how many, how much money have you given to the people out there that are rescuing, kicking in doors, rescuing these kids from child sex trafficking? I can't do any of that without money. So you know, John, I know you kind of spoke to that, but I'm wondering also, um, is there, 
is that a sickness, man? Is there anything you can say to, to help correct that? I think you almost did it, but is there anything you'd want to add to it? I don't know about a sickness. I believe it's just weakness, right? We attract what we are. And for some reason, in addition to that, the shit talkers, because you have access, right? It's access. Social media has allowed people to say things that they would never say to your face, right? So it's, it's bred people. It's given them that mouth, but they've got no ass behind it, right? So they sometimes they get out in public and they forget that they're out in public and not behind the protection of that monitor and that screen. I would leave my shop at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock every morning from working, and I would take a picture of my watch and my steering wheel. When the watch was a citizen watch and a Ford steering wheel, nobody said shit. There'd be two or three posts. When that watch became a tag and a Range Rover, guys started talking shit. When that watch became Porsches, several different Porsches, and $10,000 and $20,000 watches, guys I had never had contact with crawl out of the woodwork. And everybody's always like, money isn't everything. Well, if we let's say we give away 10%. We tithe 10%, whether it be to church or some organization that helps other people. Do you think guys making millions of dollars are giving away – is their 10% bigger than the other guy's 10%? Money doesn't buy happiness. Well, maybe. Let me change that. Money isn't everything. You ever see a guy get off of a couple boats and jet skis without a big old smile on his face? Money makes everything easier. Everything you are going to do makes is easier with money. You can do it on a grander scale. You can reward your employees on a greater level. You can help your employees when their houses burn down or a tree comes through their roof. You can help the community with, with food or jobs or anything else. But you can't do any of that shit. All of it becomes harder with money. It's the scales of justice. You have to have knowledge or you have to have money. And when you have both, things get a whole lot easier. It's just like, it's just like work, right? Guys are like, how do I make more money? They always want it whenever I'm in a group. There's always four or five of these guys that want to come up and whisper in your ear. And they're like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. I want to make more money. And I'm like, okay, well, you, you need to you know, buy this other tractor, right? You keep talking about this tractor and then work on the weekends and get a mulcher head. And that's, you know, you can do $1,000, $2,000 an acre. And you can just drive around in this tractor and forestry mulcher this property and clean it out. You can listen. But I don't want to work weekends. Well, I don't know what to fucking tell you then. You either have to. Do more in the time you're working or you have to work more. But when you can work more and get more done in the time you're working, that is when that shit changes. Your life changes. And it's only five years. When you start a business, if you put every single thing you have, but I have kids. Well, then I don't know. Change your fucking life. My kids, I have done this my entire life. My wife is in my business. My kids grew up in my business. We didn't have daycare. We didn't have strangers watching our kids. We, we sacrificed and did this. So five years, if every bit of effort and time and money goes back into your business for five years, that's the difference between you trying to make 100000 a year and you making millions a year. There's guys all the time, they're like, man, I want to break $10,000 a month. $10,000 a month? I want you to break $10,000 a day. Let's, let's, because if you want to make a million a year, you got to shoot for $3 million. You're always going to fall short. If you can't smell it, taste it, imagine it, vision it, draw it out, if you don't know how much if you want to make a million in a year and you don't know how much you have to make every week to make a million or how much you have to make every day and break that down into every minute and how much am I really going to work honestly with myself, right? Is that an eight-hour day, five days a week? That's a lot different than seven, seven days a week, 10 hours. Today is Sunday. 
I did, I did emails today. I did social media today. I sewed last night. My wife is out there right now cutting and building material, some her own project that she's doing in the business. She's out on the other side of this wall right now, Sunday at 747 working. And she, what her, her goods are going to ship tomorrow to customers that bought this. This was a concept just two days ago. Wow, man, that's that's really something. I mean, John, you, I, I learned so much from you, honestly, and I'm, I'm not sure how much of that you're willing to dispense here, but it was honestly paradigm changing for us um, in in every I mean, just little tweak things that honestly I'd never thought about before until you. It's kind of cool, the nature of our relationship, man. I'm helping you out with permaculture and you're helping me out with business. But at the end of the day, what you're telling me is very simple tweaks that we had to make here to make the difference. Now, I'm not a stranger to hard work and I will work. I, nobody will outwork me. That's my goal. That's it's always been whether I'm working for somebody else or whatever the case may be, you're not going to outwork me. So if it meant that I got to put in more work to do different things, to be able to to do what I want in the long run, um, you know, it, it, it didn't seem like much of a sacrifice, but most people would have said, just like you said, well, I got to have the weekends or I got to do this. Well, you know what? As a person with your level of success, it's funny because I don't see you and Amanda constantly on vacation. In fact, I don't recall ever knowing you ever having gone on vacation. And it's funny that the people that I know that have nine to five, somehow some of these people, and I could name them, honestly are on a vacation, some of them once a month. Yeah. Once a month. How do you reconcile that? When do you go smell the roses or do you a job or do you even feel the need to? So we built a life that we didn't need a vacation from, right? We came from California 15 years ago. I've been to prison. I've lost everything. I've had money. I lose money. I do stupid shit all the time. If you see me moving and hustling, it's because you know I just bought something I probably shouldn't have bought or I'm about to do something that I probably shouldn't do, right? That motivates me. I don't ever I don't ever have a plan B. I always burn the bridges and then have no option but to make shit work, right? That's a good motivator. There are times when I get on that sewing machine and start sewing until three, four in the morning and literally wake up and it's you know four o'clock in the morning where I fell asleep on the sewing machine. But we built this place to where Amanda and I'll go a couple weeks and not ever even leave the property. I've got a motocross track on the property. I've got a gym on the property. All my toys are on the property. We had a beach house, a, a beach house. We had a lake house. As the crow flies, if you go to that bridge right up here and look across, the biggest house out there with the red roof on it, that was my house. We had a three-story, 6,000-square-foot house. We were never there. It takes 20 minutes to drive there. So I would drive there and back. That's 40-man minutes. Amanda and Cody, right? 40, 120 minutes a day, back and forth. Christmas, we would get up and we would leave. Christmas Eve, we, we never would. I had three bedrooms in the house that I'd never even been in other than when we went in the house. We never used that thing. We moved here. We get a lot more shit done. If Amanda and I are fighting, the place is 16,000 square feet. We have plenty of room to not even see each other, right? We can do whatever we want to do, but I don't need to go on vacation. We don't. We just don't need to. Do we believe some shit's happening? Probably, probably. Does it affect me? It really doesn't. Not at this point. Nothing affects me. And back to what we were saying earlier, right? It's, it's just, it's how you move, right? If you get around mediocre people, everybody's contagious. 
So no matter who you come in contact with, you're going to catch something. If you're around a mediocre performer, be careful how long you're with them because you will pick something up from them, right? I can pick a dude up once or twice, but it's like wire, it's like battery charging, right? If you're at 50% and I'm at 100%, I can bring you up to 75, but it brings me down to, I can only do that a few times until my battery now has a memory on it of 75%. So if you get around high performance people, you will become high performance. If you get around better people, you will become better. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So you have to seek that out, whether it be through mentorship or online groups or just like just getting invited to places, right? When you do things and people notice them, they invite you to bigger things. But you have to do something. You have to do something. Well, Nicole's in the house. Nicole Sauce, living free in Tennessee, folks. She's actually the um, she's the one that does all the work. Yeah, yeah, she's the brains behind the outfit when it comes to this, all this stuff that she does and she puts together. She is a phenomenal person and a joy to get to know. And honestly, um, she's one of the ones like with John, where you know I'm I'm finding this group of friends that I didn't even know that I would ever have or have the opportunity to meet. Where, like John was saying, where honestly, I'm I'm in I'm around you. And I'm reluctant to even drive home. Not that I don't have a wonderful life here. Not that things aren't good. It's just that I'm being fulfilled. I'm getting like the last event that we that you had out there, the self-reliance event. I'm in, like you just said right there. I am not the smartest person in the room regarding a great many things. And I'm sitting in here. I'm drinking it all in what I'm getting from you. Amanda's saying something over here about business that I'm getting from her. I'm hearing something from Jack Spearco. Nicole's over here dropping some information. Dr. Barry's doing all this. And you're all in the same spot. So it's a wonder you're not actually trying to throw people off the property when it's all said and done. Because frankly, I mean, even though I love my wife and I love my farm and I love everything we do, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I can't believe this collection of people are in one spot. And it's not the typical... There's nothing wrong with the typical homestead conference, y'all, but you're going to get so much more out of this because it's not just it's not just homesteading. It's so much more. You're going to like the dogs and stuff. I mean, I think these guys are going to let these dogs bite somebody if they're going to get in the in the um, in the suit. Right. Guess you yep. got a waiver. You're not going to see that any other place. You're not going to see a swale any other place. Last time we butchered a pig. They will never let me do that in any other festival because it's always on public ground. So they're never going to let me put a bullet in the pig or allow somebody else to do it. And then we gut and skin it right there on the spot and then turn back around and eat it. That's what's beautiful about this self-reliance festival, folks. And it's not its not even a commercial for that. I'm just saying, with all the weird things going on in the world, and you may be concerned about, oh, if I leave the house, what if? Well, I'm telling you what, you're going to walk away with more knowledge, more capability. I mean, I, I'm not going to make any promises because it's like John said, at the end of the day, um, you're going to have to put some skin in the game. You're going to have to pay attention, but dreams must be implemented with deeds. So you're going to have to walk away from there and actually do something with it. Um, John, there's uh, oh, Michelle's going to kill me if I don't ask you this question. Yeah, all right, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Cause I'm sure my phone's about to blow up here. I'm like, why is she making me ask you when she's going to see y'all here in two weeks anyway? 
But I'll just, just go ahead. Get it out, buddy. <laughs> oh, come on. She says, um, when do you know it's time to scale up? Like to bring more people on board. How do you what's your metric for that? Well, I mean, we I always need to scale up. I live in the most impoverished. Three years ago, we were the most impoverished county of all of Tennessee, right? We're a hub zone, which is our, our biggest import into the area all through this part of Tennessee is Narcan. We bring in more Narcan than we bring in really anything else. I say that that's pro that's probably not real, but um, I always need more bodies and I can't get them. I live in a county of 3,500 people. Um, most of my employees drive 45 minutes or more to work, right? So we're really, really good at what we do. My crew is amazing and we just, we just produce, but I can't produce anymore. I can literally on a black Friday when we open the website and let people order whatever they want, we do between a million and a half and $2 million in three days in sales. I can't produce that. I can only produce 250 to 350 at, at, on the best month, right? At the best. So we use our marketing is hit it, quit it onto the next thing. You can't ever come to my website and just buy the things you want because we sell out of them. If I can sell a hundred, we only build 80. And then we always jump around. Sometimes it's chest rigs, sometimes it's phone cases, sometimes it's uh, tapered war, you know, war belts, sometimes it's uh, subloads, but it's hit it, quit it on to the next thing. So there is always an urgency. My client list knows if you even think, if you have an inkling you want this thing that's in the email, you have to get it right then because there's only so many of them. And for, for every dude that's like, well, I didn't want to pay shipping, so I wanted to put multiple things in, I was waiting. You're never gonna. You're never gonna have it, because guys were willing to do what you weren't willing to do. We make the best stuff in the world. People like to be a part of what we're doing. You have access. I mean, where else can you talk to the CEO of a company every night at nine o'clock? A company, especially that's been in existence for thirty-five years, and talk about anything you want to talk about. So our our clientele feel like they know us, and many of them do. We've had meals. We've been face to face, right? So, and then back to what you were saying is as soon as we're done, why I don't run people off, I don't have to run them off. They can't keep up. Like I'm, I'm constant. Like as soon as we're done here, bing, 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 bing. I am all over the place. Like this right here, this is how I am until 1030 at night, every single night from the time I get up until 1030 at night, seven days a week. And that's how, that's how we do that. And then having you guys around, I get to, I get to throw ideas at you. And you're going to be back here. Like these people all come back here in four months. I have to perform. That's accountability. I have no choice but to operate at a little bit and a little bit and a little bit higher, higher level every time because people are going to come in here. Hey, can I see this thing you talked about on video? I saw this post. Where is that at? Right. So many people consume and feel like they know a person through social media but all you see is this little piece. We, we just open it up. Like there's no editing. We don't cut no shit out. And anytime you come here and then the other thing too, like you said, you got to have some skin in the game. The person you number one, don't know what you need to know a lot of times. And the dude standing next to you, he also doesn't know that you need to know it. So the only way we find out what you need to know is through conversation, right? We have to have a conversation. Hey, where, and that's why I always ask guys, where are you from and what do you do? I don't ask what you do so I can determine whether I want to be friends with you. I ask what you do to know if I can have some commerce. Can I give money to you? Can I refer somebody else in? 
can we co-brand something where I can do business with you, put my logo on it, and then sell your product for way more than you're ever going to sell it for, thus raising the price of your, the threshold of your product. I love doing that. Hey, how much can you make? I can only do 60 pounds. Well, I want 120. What do you sell it for? I sell it at whatever, $10. Well, I'm going to sell it at 15. I love that. I love that. And I want to, I want to develop businesses. I want to see people come up and level. But Man, what was, seems- what was Michelle's question? When to scale? No, you got it. When to no, scale? No. no, you got it there. Uh, Amanda basically kind of hit it out of the park right there. Like basically if you, if you got to ask the question, then you need to do it. <laughs> so, I mean, did you, did you want to add anything to that? Or? So yeah, like every time for, for a long time, we only took cash or check, right? Guys are like, do you take credit card? Do you take credit card? We didn't take credit card in the beginning. I couldn't get credit card processing. A few years later, we start taking credit cards. I went from a $10,000 month to $10,000 in a day. The easier you make it for people to give you money, the more money they give you. Why didn't we, why did we wait? Right? Why did we wait? Every single time we have done something like that or implemented some new procedure or brought in some equipment that costs a lot of money, it's always, man, why did we wait? This makes things so much simpler. Why did we wait? How do you get around now? Your shadow band, I said it in the beginning, like nobody else I've ever seen. I think they even hit your emails and everything else. How on earth do you over i know that's almost a rhetorical question but i want i think people out there might understand the benefit in it now nobody's going to be more nobody in this certainly in this thread or certainly thousands are going to see this video nobody is going to be more shadow banned but somehow y'all stay in business how do you do that how do you go around that because people seek us out you can you could totally take us off of the internet and we'll still be fine that's what we're moving towards the thousand true fans I've been saying this for the last, I don't know, six months, maybe, maybe a year or so. I am of the belief that thousand true fans, right? If you have a thousand true fans, there's dudes paying girls to do absolutely sick shit on the internet. And I say that to say there is a market for everything. There's guys paying girls to chew ice cubes and they'll pay five bucks a a month to see that or whatever it is. I truly believe I could take scissors and go and just mow my grass with scissors. There would be a thousand people that would show up. So how can I get them to give me a dollar per month? And how can I get them? How can I add more value and end up getting $5 a month, right? That's five grand a month just on that avenue. Most people in the United States do not make $5,000 a month. And then once you have that thousand true fans, you can use click-through marketing. You can use affiliate marketing. We can use Amazon affiliate shops. So can you pull a thousand from here? Can I get, you know, harvest right? to give me a percentage of anybody that clicks through. So it's just, it's just streams of income for doing something that people seek out, right? They, they look for me. So they don't propagate. If you go look at my YouTube videos, we know that our YouTube analytics are not correct because when we post something immediately, we get five or six mass porn spammers on there. If our numbers were that low, they wouldn't be hitting us the way they're hitting us. But we take those links because we control our own email list and because we control our own SMS, which is texting, we put an embed. We have a program that auto embeds those videos onto that email and onto that text. So my customers plus at nine o'clock every night, my clients know 
John is going to be on YouTube at nine o'clock. So they seek us out. So I walk around, hey, here's what we built today. Here's what's on the sewing machines. These will be coming tomorrow. They jump through hoops. They put in the effort because the product and the message and the community is strong enough that they want to be a part of. If you do enough right stuff and enough good stuff, the right people will show up. Wow, man, that's really something else. I mean, dude, if you can do it, because I know here's how here's how I know that you are shadow banned on another level is that every single time we talk, it's contagious because and, and I'm not at all concerned about this sort of thing. Um, it's like, dude, you're like, oh, you were talking to John. OK, we're going to go ahead and mess with you. In fact, folks, if you doubt me, you can go ahead and go to whatever it was, Social Blade dot com and you can look at everybody's analytics and watch what happens after this interview but honestly john's my friend and if you know anything about me folks um i don't have a whole lot of friends in this world a lot of people want to be my friend but um at the end of the day when there's somebody look i'll swim to poncha train for people i care about and honestly he has information that's so devastating and a lot of it, I don't think he's going to talk to you right now. I mean, but if you want to get it up close and personal, you want to ask him questions just as I did the first time I was there, um, you'll have the opportunity. You could do it in person. Nicole, she's on here right now. You got questions for her or all you guys that are asking, hey, are you going to hook me up and talk to, <laughs> talk to Nicole? You'll have the opportunity to do it right there in person. But you could also talk to John in person. There's a great many other people out there. Um, that you're going to have unbelievable access to get in there and get questions answered. In fact, like John said, the last time we did that class, it was a um, the swale class. We were done. Um, John, William, and I had did the swale, the first, the big swale on the top of the hill the first day because we were a little concerned about being rained out. So we pretty much gave de facto consultations to a lot of the people that were there, which was great. It was wonderful. But also, there's this fellowship, there's this bond, there's this brotherhood. It's just something you can't explain when you're in the same room where we started getting into esoteric topics that I know me and John could talk about all day, one of which I can't wait to tell you about, John, that happened at the Biltmore Hotel, has something oh, to do nice. with what it did. So have you seen the, uh, There's look, at, look up Mud Flood and Biltmore. There's a ton of history on the Biltmore, really? where the money came from how they're tied into a family over in England. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, this will blow your mind because folks, we're going to just shift topics here for a second because there's no way ever since I went to the Biltmore for the first time a couple of weeks ago, I've been chomping at the bit to tell John about this because he and Amanda visit. If you look at their uh, YouTube, you'll see that they visit some of these weird places, man, where they used to be sanitariums, sanatoriums, whatever the case are. And Check this out, John. You ain't going to believe this, bro. You were the first one we thought of when this happened. And the lady might very well be watching right now. So we're leaving the Biltmore. I snuck in the place. That's a whole other story unto itself. Anyhow, we're leaving there. And one of the security guards comes up. She recognizes from YouTube, comes over. Hey, I love your stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, hey, great to meet you. You know, sitting there talking to her. And then I said, I don't know why I did it, but I said, hey, there's a room down there in the basement. It's called the Halloween room. 
and it makes no sense whatsoever. And in fact, on the tour, they tell you that this room, they 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 give you the slightest de- that the most minute detail of every room you go to. But somehow, John, in this room, they can't tell you where it came from. You get all this creepy art on the wall, and they tell you that they think it was a party that they had back in the day, and everybody just had a paintbrush. Well, you can tell that it was all done by the same person. Well, I'm asking the security guard about it, and I said, that is the, one of the creepiest rooms I've ever been in. And then she says, as quick as a wink, she says, well, I got keys all the way around this place. She said, you ought to see the sub-basement. And I'm like, what? She says, yeah, there's a sub-basement, and there's tunnels that don't make any sense whatsoever. And that's when I thought of you, bro, because she said there are tunnels that lead. She said, we haven't had a chance to run them all the way out, but there are tunnels that go underneath this place probably for miles. Yeah. Explain that, bro. That makes no sense to me. This is supposed to be a private residence. What do you think all that is? Well, it wasn't a private residence. I mean, and, and it was said that when Biltmore got on a horse, and could ride 24 hours, that's when he decided he had enough property. The all that all that landscape was designed by the same guy that did um, Central Park in New York. Like they had yeah. they had huge, huge people involved in that stuff. Of course there's tunnels. Yeah, but you know, I'll go right back to now. I, I guess I can't say this with any specificity, but um yeah, folks, I know you came for the business, but this thing just went sideways. There's no way I'm not going to talk about this with John Willis after all the research he and Amanda have done. Uh, in fact, that Georgia Tan, which they made me aware of, and there's some diabolical people in this world. And ever since you did that one where you went into that sanitarium, man, I looked that woman up and she was a prolific murderer, but looked like a regular everyday grandma. She, she overdosed 120 kids or 90 kids in a 120-day period, right? So the only thing that holds society together, most of us are next to people who will harm you on any given day. The only thing that keeps them from doing so, from hitting you over the head and with a cinder block and taking your groceries, is the fear of being punished, right? So we know all the crazy shit that happens today that they catch, but they say they only catch 10% of murderers. Imagine how things were when we didn't have the tattletale. Imagine how things were when there was no surveillance cameras, right? When you would, I mean, people would kill massive people in California and just come back east and call themselves something else, right? It used to be the Pinkerman, Pinker, the Pinkerton men had to chase you down. Things are, things are very different now. And as, as crazy as shit is now, Imagine how crazy stuff was back then. It was astonishing when she sat there and told us, I mean, I'm thinking you have got to be kidding me, man. I mean, because this is the kind of stuff I research, but she said it as a matter of fact, as if, yeah, you know, she said, you think that room, that Halloween room is creepy. You ought to see the basement. And I'm like, can you get me down there? And I'm like, okay, maybe John needs to take a road trip. You and Amanda, bro, because I think we got the inside track. So you make you make out. friends with her, and you send her some of your product. You hey, we're we're over here. You want to go have dinner, and just have a conversation off site with her, and become friends with her, and access will open up. And I might have to do it, bro. But I'm also a little. But it took me right back when I saw that creepy room, bro. And then we went under. Well, she was telling us about the underneath. I had a weird feeling about this place because none of it makes sense. There's a whole, there's a fair portion of it that didn't make any sense. 
But what I'm hearing, hold on, she's got Jeffrey Epstein tunnels rolling up out of here. Hold on, they, they yeah, that wasn't in any of the. You didn't bother to mention any of that on the tour. What was it for? It's not like they were bringing in power underground back in the day. I mean, it's not like you know they were trans. I'm an I'm a journeyman electrician. I know how this works. You weren't taking. It wasn't like some of the places in Kansas City where they were running certain things underground because they were transmitting DC power. That wasn't the case. And you definitely ain't transmitting it over miles. But she's telling me there's miles of tunnels down there, but somehow there's no mention of it on the tour. So I, yeah, it brought me right back to John and Amanda Willis and some of the crazy stuff y'all have seen. So, uh, man, of all the, I mean, I got to ask, man, since we kind of went into the esoteric, what is the creepiest, craziest thing y'all have ever seen, you know, jumping these fences, checking out some of these places? So we don't we don't jump a lot of fences. There's there's tunnels everywhere, right? And you can almost get anywhere from tunnels. Even when buildings are closed, there is a tunnel from an open building to a closed building almost always. The asylums are the craziest, right? Because there's no disputing the terrible stuff happened there. And up, like, up till 1953, you could just drop your woman off and be like, I'm done with her, right? And they would commit her. And at the last asylum where we're talking about Georgia Tan, the way she got around all that and away with all that is she was selling the kids. She was in, she was in cahoots with two judges. There are two courtrooms in the asylum so that if something happened, they could just take the child away legally, right? So basically, you had a lot of women who you had men had access to women in cages. So they would show up pregnant. They would come in pregnant. Experiments would happen. All kinds of crazy shit. I have not ever felt a ghost or seen a ghost. But, I mean, all that stuff happened there. If there's energy or spirits there, it's definitely there, right? So any any of those places, man, any place where you have old closed-down hospitals, state hospitals, asylums, sanitariums, and a lot of them kind of flip-flop back and forth. Uh, poor houses. You had the same stuff happen there, too. Um, Operation Paperclip, when we brought all the Nazi doctors back. They nested in those asylums around the United States and continued on their experiments. When Nancy Reagan, her pet project was to, you know, basically open the doors of the asylums and, like, be free. So those buildings set without electricity for 20, 30, 40 years. That's why when you see all the buildings with the cracked paint, that's lead paint with no uh, heat or air inside them. The, the lead paint cracks. So there's asbestos and there's lead. So for those years, we couldn't go through and do anything. We couldn't just demo those buildings anymore because of EPA stuff. So when they started coming in in the early 2000s and unfitting all those buildings, they were finding, the construction crews were finding all kinds of laboratories with German files and body parts and all kinds of experiments and stuff. And it was all in German. Tons of that stuff was. Man, that's crazy because um, my man, I guess I'll reveal some stuff here right now. I didn't expect to. Um, like you said, Operation Paperclip, for those that don't know, basically we took the Nazi intelligentsia. Um, we took some, and of course the Russians supposedly took the other half. And uh, some would argue that the Russians got the better of the two. Anyway, we brought all those Nazi doctors over here, and here they are. John, they're probably going to cut this feed, but I'm going to drive on, bro. This is too good. Um, they get them back here, and then, of course, we have Project MK Ultra. We got all these others. Well, you know, I found out years later, actually a couple of years ago, that my own mom was almost certainly 
uh, when she was, um, folks, as a little side note, this is these are some of the conversations that we have at SOE off the clock when we're doing our own thing. Anyway, my own mom was um, incarcerated in West Virginia, John. And I didn't know this until years later. I mean, growing up in that household was a freak show, man. I mean, a freak show. Come to find out years later that she was almost certainly, um, a t well, basically she was experimented on almost certainly under MK Ultra. And then for all these years, you know, I thought she was absolutely crazy. In fact, I had an argument with Michelle, not an argument so much, but she's like, hey, you really need to reach out to her and let her know what they almost certainly did, which we're about 100% sure that they did experiment on her. But anyway, that ruined what they did to her, ruined the lives of I don't even know how many of my brothers, you know, and to a certain extent and for a while, they're my own as well. So the, the consequence of what our government did under Operation Paperclip and what it led to under MK Ultra and all the others, well, the effects are still being felt to this day. And um, it's a sad shame we can't get more people to care about it. But I got to say, man, just watching you guys' video and that creepy music y'all had playing, <laughs> dude, when you're going through there, I'm sitting here. I remember I can tell you where I was when I watched that video. And I'm like, who's this Georgia Tan, dude? I sat here and looked at this. I spent two hours, dude, I must have been up till two in the morning researching this woman. Just regular video you'd think, or regular pictures you'd think this was a regular everyday grandma. But, dude, she was one of the most wicked people I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're everywhere, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, did you see this one? This one came up. Look this one up. Marina Abramovich is a VIP guest at the Queen's funeral. How about that? Did you hear about that, John? I did not, but you've got one on here that you need to knock out of here. The the one is just mass spam and all kinds of stuff on here. Oh, is that that clown that had a bunch of them on there? Yeah, there's a ton of them. The one, okay. All right. Sayonara, homie. Yeah, we get to talking about this, and then these clowns come up out of nowhere. So the, the big thing is, right, as fun as that is, I can't do anything about it. I saw somebody in here talking about they lay in bed at night and worry about the future and stuff. Make your future. Like if you're, if you're sitting and dwelling on something, like can I touch it right now? Can I mold it? Can I change it? If the answer is no, then you don't need to have your mind on it anymore. Do things that you can actually do, right? Does it change the tip? Does it matter that – Ukraine, right? They're shutting, they're shutting, Russia's shutting off all the gas to Germany. I don't give a shit. I am Germany, right? I take that as if I say some things that my government doesn't like, maybe they turn my gas off, right? So what's my move? My move is bring in some propane tanks, not rely 100% on natural gas. My move is bring in some wood so that we could use wood fire heat, right? The government or even your local government you do some things that, that they don't like and they just, it's literally smart meters. It's a switch. They can just turn your electricity off. So if you truly believe these things are happening, what can you do with your own hands that could change your life? Right? We spend so much time worrying about other shit and some of it, like we don't even know if it's true or not. So what if that's by design? What if that is the job of social media was so that we put negative shit in your head. If you're constantly thinking negative stuff, if you're constantly 
even remotely speaking ill of somebody else, especially like you get next to a dude and he's like, start telling you all this shit about somebody you don't know. Get the fuck away from that dude, right? You don't have any time for that. When you have negative stuff in your head, it just tells the world, hey, I want more negative shit. Whereas if you just literally picture it as like swipe right, swipe right, close that app, close that app, right? When you get some shit in your head that you can't affect or change, swipe right. Just get that out of your head and just focus on doing some things you can do. When you start actually having momentum, it's easy to keep that momentum. That snowball keeps rolling, right? Everything you do today is the first thing you don't have to do tomorrow. So when we can put all that energy and time into that, I love to sit around and talk about all the crazy shit of the past, but what can we actually do today, right? What can we do that we can actually see a, a visible difference? When I, when I used to tell my kids, I'm like, go clean your room. Well, what do I need to clean? I go, I don't care what you clean, but do enough of it that it looks different when I walk in there, right? Make, it, make a visible difference in everything you do every day. And your life will start to change drastically. Like when I get out on the property, I'm like, I need to do this and I need to do that. And I need to do this and that. Focus on one thing, pick three by three feet, nine square feet and make that different. And then come over, ban that Illuminati. That's the same dude. He's back with another yeah, account. Yeah, I keep doing it. This Just right way. click on his name in StreamYard and then ban him. Okay. Wow. That was not the intent. Too bad Nicole isn't block user. Okay, here we go. Block this clown. Dude is saying that I can't even do it. It's saying uh, an error occurred trying to reflect refresh the plate. But I, I see the Illuma. I see that it's blocked. It just didn't really. It didn't remove the others. The first guy we banned, he already emailed me talking shit. What? The first dude we banned, he emailed. He's like, "You mad, bro?" There's always these pussies, man. They always, they always. It's it's funny. The, the and this is an example, right? People spending time watching things that they don't like. People, it's, it's the train wreck. It's why I make the post. When I make a, a post cussing some dude, it gets literally hundreds of comments. When I make a post about, hey, if you do ABC and you do this, it will literally change the course of your day immediately. It'll get two or three comments. People enjoy the negative. And that's a good example. These people, like the dude in here is like, um, these guys with these edgy shirts, they're dangerous. Nicole and I have them show up. Spearco has the, it's the exact same guys. We ban them, so now they're here. Nathan Wade, uh, get rid of that dude too. That's the same yeah, dude. I'm, I'm knocking him out of there. So what that yeah. does is that burns his accounts. Those are all his accounts. That's a person who has a bunch of accounts ready to go, We're, and we just keep taking them. Imagine, I, imagine the time it takes you to manage this one YouTube account. Could you imagine having four fake accounts? Like, no. what does that dude have going on in life that he can just stay places where he doesn't like people just to talk shit? And that's that's literally that's half the people in the world you come in contact with. No, you you said it all right there, John. It's it's amazing. I mean, you you really came full circle with that, and it's really going right back to the self reliance festival and what you're gonna. It's cool to have these conversations. And it's cool, like when we were walking through your place upstairs and you're telling us the history on all this stuff, when I see that World War I helmet, to me, as a history buff, I'm floored by it because I'm thinking, man, how authentic. And I'm also looking at some of the other things around there and I'm thinking, dude, we could have some cool conversations about all the stuff that's up in there because you know the history 
it's kind of cool because being a history buff, you're telling me the history about every single item. So you, you know something about it. So it means something to you. But at the end of the day, like you said a moment ago, um, it's cool to have these esoteric conversations. It's cool to have these other conversations. But at the end of the day, we still live in the real world. And you got to put bread on the table. You got to live. You got to produce. You got to do something worthwhile. And, um, well, folks, I know we're, we're going to shut it down here in a minute. But I, I want you to know that we kind of went a little bit intentionally. That was my thing because I really wanted to get off topic just for a moment and hit the esoteric because that's part of what we do out there and it's not scripted it's just we're having a conversation about some really cool stuff and it shows you the full extent but you know what i find astonishing is that people tell me that they can't keep up with what's going on in the world but somehow john works i work 16 hour days and he works more than i do but somehow we just seem to know every not everything but we seem to be well attuned to the things that are happening in this world I don't live there, but I'm aware of it, just like you are. But it sure is funny that the person working the nine to five seems to have no understanding of the things that are unfolding in this world right now. So, um, well, stop, stop trying to keep up with what's going on in the world, right? Keep up, make your own world, make the world you want, right? Everybody's worried about the train strikes. If the trains go on strike, all the feed coming into California to the CAFOs, it all comes from trains, right? If the trains grow on, go on strike, most of your coal-fired power plants, not all, but most of your coal plants come from trains. There's going to be a big difference if that happens. It's probably not happening, right? I got a friend that's pretty high up in, like, high up in CSX. And I'm like, hey, is this something to worry about? He's like, they're talking about it. They want to go on strike. There's no way the government is going to let them go on strike. It's not yep. going to happen. If that happens, the government is going to take over the railways, right? So, and when somebody had said bots, be aware that a bot is a dude or a girl. It's not a computer. The bot, we have this idea that it's a robot. It's a loser. And here he is back again. Ban that dude, the Luminat. It's, it's, it's the same guys, right? Just keep, just keep knocking him out of there. And sooner wow. he's going to have to go and spend the next week to build a bunch of fake accounts to come back and talk again. Wow. It's all right. Just, just. Like all these dudes that are like, I don't have time or I can't keep. Don't keep up, man. I tell people all the time, this is your biggest failure right here. I'm just going to sit on the toilet and check Instagram. And before you know it, your legs are out, right? As much shit as I do and as fast as I move, everything, all those videos you see every morning, that's because those are the, if somebody else made the videos, I wouldn't make them. If I could just get up at five in the morning and see a video saying the same shit, I'd stop making them. They don't exist, right? When I'm talking about dudes sitting on the toilet, that's because I do it. I know that, how would I know it's possible for your legs to fall asleep while sitting on the toilet because I'm just going to check Instagram? Because it happens to me. And as much shit as I get done, I can't imagine how a normal dude moves getting a quarter of the shit done, yet still having time for television and social media. I tell dudes all the time, and guys will come, I see it, I'll happen pretty frequently. Once a week, somebody's like, hey, I've been off social media for a couple of weeks. You told me to get off social media, focus on my business, and now I'm ready to go. That's what I want to see. If you want to fuck with me, you want to be a part of what I'm doing and breathe the breath I'm breathing, you have to be a performance person. I'll talk to you once. I'll talk to you twice. There will never be a third time if you don't come back and go, hey, I did ABC. If you ask me for advice and I give you advice and you don't perform, we're done. 
you can come in here and talk to me. Do not fucking insert yourself into a conversation and ask me how to do something that you're not going to do. I don't care what anybody does in their life until they ask me how to do something and then don't perform. You know, that was, well, folks, I can tell you right now, his information has been gold. I'm not going to give it to you right here. If you want to know about it, you're going to have to go to the self-reliance festival. Um, and it's kind of cool. The nature of the relationship John and I have is that, you know, I'm something my son and I and my wife, we're, you know, we know our craft well. He knows his craft well. And it's pretty cool, John, that we're able to cross-pollinate where you teach me business and I teach you permaculture, which I don't know that I got to teach you anymore, bro. Every You're like a sponge. Anything that you take in, it stays there. But, you know, it's kind of cool that we got this awesome relationship. But like he said, you know, these dreams, you can have them all day long. But honestly, unless you take some of the advice that you're getting here or when you or, OK, if you go to the Self-Reliance Festival, this is all the information in the world. But it doesn't amount to a hill of beans if you don't actually do anything with it, which is what we like I said, William and I, the whole six hour ride home, we were exhausted. And all we were talking about was what we picked up there, what we learned from you. And the moment we got home, you know, here's the funny thing, John, little side note, told another guy, I said, man, you ain't going to believe this dude I met out there. Some of this real cool information. Well, what did you learn? I said, well, I don't know if it's like proprietary. I'm not going to tell everybody, but I'll just tell you this one thing. And it's the very thing that we took from you and has worked enormous, enormously. And it's not, it's not anything slick. It's not any advertising. It's just an angle in business that we never even thought of until he mentioned it to us. Well, I'll tell this guy who's in business for himself. He just happens to live in Oklahoma. Told him about it. And then I told him a week later how well it's worked. And then still nothing, still nothing. So like you said, I'm not even going to waste my time. Um, you're going to you're going to see some pretty astonishing information out there, folks. And I implore you, this is your opportunity to do it. It gets better every single time. There's going to be even some new stuff this time. Like Friday night, there's going to be that dinner, right, John, the VIP dinner. Saturday or also on Friday, we're also going to have that class. Saturday, Sunday, y'all, that's when it's all, you know, you're going to see it all come together. And you're going to meet some astonishing folks out there. But dreams, once again, dreams must be implemented with deeds. So is there any other thing you would want to tell them, John, before we shut it down tonight? No, Regarding the, these, these swales up top, that's not shit compared to the ones we're going to put in next. The next, the next swale is going to be twice that size. Like, it's, it's going to be huge. Just ask. <laughs> that's what I'm like, talking if about. You can, you, if, if you say you want to do something, do it. That's it. Just stop asking permission. Allowed versus able. I can't do this. Just do it until somebody shows up and tells you you can't do it. Stop asking permission. Do and build the life you want to build. That's it. The longer you, I'm 50 years old. I'm 50 years old. I'm at the downhill side, right? No matter how much more I've got to go, maybe 20 more good years, right? If I could go back, I'd go back to 30 and tell myself, Stop doing shit that's not important. Do everything you do as though it's the most important thing you do. And if it's not worth doing it in an important manner, cut it out of your life. You don't have time for it. I'll sit down and sew some shit. And if you put a camera on me, it would look like the most badass thing in the world. No matter, I'd be mixing up a drink with some protein powder in here. No matter, I do everything in my life as though it's important. And you can literally follow me around 
literally the entire day and everything I do, if you video it, it's going to look badass because that's how I move. That's how I operate. And if I'm not, that's why I, that's why I stand up when I do these videos. You don't ever see me sit down. If I sit down, I'll fall asleep. No, bro. You're, you're going at a hundred miles an hour. In fact, that last time I'm like, I'm trying to talk to John y'all. And he's out there pulling weeds. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to talk to him, bro, I better get, I better put on my bicycle. Next thing you know, there must have been 10 other guys pulling weeds over there. <laughs> when we were, when you had that puppy, I, I can't remember what part of your property that was. But we're over here pulling weeds up out of there and we're having a conversation while doing it. Next thing I know, there's, it was contagious. And there it was everybody over there pulling weeds, having a pretty cool conversation at the same time. So, all those um, weeds we threw over there in that area, they're all growing. All that grass that was in the gravel is now every bit of it took root. Over where the, oh, okay, cool. That's a good thing then. We just, we spent, we spent two months pulling clumps of grass because the guineas, they eat all the seed heads and then they shit it out all over in the gravel. So it grows. My guys took all of that and took and put it on all that bare area up top there by the gate up top. It's all growing. Every bit of it is growing now. Wow. How cool is that? Well, hey, y'all. Um, I know there's going to be a lot more people that watch this, but hey, go out there on the 30th, September 30th. Michelle and I are going to be teaching a class. I don't know when you're ever going to see that again, because getting her out of the house is pretty tough. Um, and then the following, like I said, the first and the second, we're going to do the next Self-Reliance Festival. And you're going to want to be there. Now, this weekend coming up, Nicole had come up with this idea like, hey, if you got vacation time, you got the back to the land thing going up this weekend, and William's going to be teaching there. I'll be there, and then soon thereafter, if you got that vacation time, just take the time and go check out both festivals. You'll be glad you did. And you know, in light of the things that are unfolding right now, this may be the best time to get things done because who knows? It may be like Shakespeare said: "Now is the winter of our discontent." You never know. But hey, I want to thank John for coming on here live with with me, y'all, and. For those of you that are getting in late, we're going to go ahead and put this on the Permaculture Pimpcast, so you can check that out. Check it out anywhere you can hear uh, podcasts. So, John, thanks a million, bro. I, I thank you for coming on. Yep, thanks for having me on, man.